This is Kevin Altieri, director of Batman the Animated Series. This is best friend of the show, Monica Cabina, artist and colorist on Batman The Adventures Continue. Hey, this is Jordan Gibson, artist of Batman The Adventures Continue. And this is the DCAU Review. Hosted by Cal and Liam. Streaming at DCAUreview.com. And on your favorite podcast app. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everyone, to another bonus episode of the DCAU Review. I am Liam, and with me, as he always is, is Cal. Cal, it is. As all good things must, this uh, this wonderful Aqua Fantas month is coming to an end, and we thought uh, we would uh, we would go out with a little bit of an epilogue, but not that one. <laughs> that's right. Nah, that's uh, that's not happening for a good long while. As we continue here, as we are about to turn uh, into our sixth year, I guess this is we just at some point in the last couple of weeks here, the original time recording. Uh, should have celebrated our our six year anniversary of the podcast, but as we enter into year seven of this podcast, Liam, we are uh, we have plenty more content to cover here. Epilogue, as we've talked about on many occasions, will be the final episode of the podcast when and if mm-hmm. we ever reach there. But uh, yes, in the meantime, uh, as we mentioned a few weeks back, if you uh, if you took a break for the holidays, uh, so did we. Well, sort of, at least from our main <laughs> continuity. Uh, we did not have not done any reviews uh, for a few weeks now, but uh, we did look back uh, a few weeks ago, did a re-review of Batman Mask of the Phantasm in honor of its 30th anniversary. And then on uh, the Christmas weekend, we dropped a very special edition of Discuss This League. And uh, that had uh, two of the directors of that film, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Kevin Altieri, who's a regular contributor to the podcast, it would seem at this point, and uh, one Dan Reba making his DCAU review debut. Hey, that rhymes. And <laughs> uh, and uh, it was a wonderful conversation, uh, about an hour and 40 minutes long or so. It's a, So it's a much longer than our standard episodes. If you haven't checked that out yet, uh, feel free to check that out in the archives. And uh, yeah, it's been a wonderful, wonderful month thus far, Liam. But as you mentioned, we are winding things down here with a uh, a bonus episode, which uh, covers something we've not done in quite some time. And that is tackling a comic book review. And that's a tie-in comic book. So as far as continuity and whether or not this actually ties in here, I guess we can probably talk about that towards the end of the uh, the episode here as to whether or not this sure. fits based in everything we know. But uh, we are tackling the Batman and Robin Adventures Annual number one from 1996. This was released and it is uh, titled Shadow of the Phantasm. So as we talked about and mentioned uh, on our Discuss This League episode, this is a 
direct sequel written by one of the writers from the movie. Uh, so we get some extra points there for whether or not this would fall into some continuity. Uh, and it is a follow-up to uh, to the story. And we it involves several of the characters, as we'll discuss here in a second, that uh, we, we saw in the movie, uh, including Andrea herself and uh, a few other characters, as well as uh, a couple new creations. Uh, Paul Dini always loves to to create a new character or two and introduce them. And, uh, of course, we also have some artwork by some familiar names, people we've discussed before on the podcast multiple times, that being Ty Templeton, uh, Rick Burchett, and uh, and uh, Terry Austin, who's, a, who's an anchor for, throughout the book, and then uh, a couple of other names who we maybe have mentioned uh, occasionally, but uh, probably haven't been able to give their full due to. So uh, we'll discuss a couple of those artists as well as we kind of do uh, what we do. If you're familiar with our, our reviews of Batman, the adventures continue. We usually kind of just give a brief overview of the plot, not necessarily a frame by frame panel by panel review, but a general overview of the story. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about the artwork, the things that we liked, maybe if there was anything that uh, stood out to us, and then, uh, as we mentioned, we'll kind of talk about continuity-wise where this fits in the uh, in the DCAU here to wrap things up. Everybody's favorite topic, Liam. <laughs> uh, everybody's always got an opinion on that. So, uh, yeah. So, we'll we'll just uh, one little note. If you'd like to follow along, read along. Uh, this issue is a little. You, you have a few ways. You could uh, you could go hunting in the. Uh, in the bins at your at your local comic store for an original copy. I know we still have our original copy, I believe, somewhere, Cal. But uh, the easiest way, if you were looking for this digitally uh, and you wanted to pay for it, uh, is probably to find it in the uh, collection Batman and Robin Adventures Volume 2, uh, which collects uh, several issues of that series along with uh, the first annual, which, as you mentioned, is sort of a special giant sized issue that uh, the dc comics they still do annuals now uh they went out of out of style for a while i think but they're back now just one one big extra sized issue uh in, that's uh, outside of the main uh, conduit a bonus episode if you will <laughs> of, uh, of this show but yes we have batman and robin adventures annual number one so you mentioned written by paul dini uh the whole thing is colored by lee lowridge and lettered by Tim Harkins. And then uh, for artists, as mentioned, we have Ty Templeton, uh, Dev Medan, uh, Terry Austin, and Rick Burchett, and working as inkers. And we also have other pencilers, including Mike Parabek and Brandon Cruz. So we will talk more about the art, as Cal said, in a few minutes here. But yes, as we, we, uh, we get to the start of this thing, we actually see a sort of retelling or reimagining of the, of the very last scenes of mask of the phantasm. If we see Andrea, the Joker and Batman in that old burned out world's fair, as everything is exploding around them, we see that uh, we see that Andrea had made her escape with the Joker down into the sewers. But uh, before she can exact that revenge that she so wanted to, there's another explosion and she's uh, she's knocked unconscious, and the Joker is washed away in the uh, in the river before she can uh, she can take her revenge. So she leaves town, as we saw at the end of the film, but but only for a time, as we see right at the start here. The Phantasm has returned, and we see a uh, we see her immediately getting to work, taking out a sniper 
who's been charged with uh, watching someone. And we very quickly find out that that person that the sniper was so interested in is none other than billionaire bachelor Bruce Wayne. (laughs) That's right. Uh, And the sniper, by the way, speaking to some mysterious smiling individual, we only see the bottom half of their face and they seem to be quite happy about what's going on. And they've predicted that uh, the phantasm would indeed show up, but uh, we're left kind of uh, with a cliffhanger there as we cut to the interior of uh, where the sniper was standing outside prepared to make his attack on Bruce Wayne and inside the party, Bruce Wayne is there. It's a benefit for some of Gotham's orphans and uh, in it, Summer Gleason is there and she's questioning the billionaire bachelor, not only uh, about his, uh, his contributions and uh, what it means to the city, but then even begins to press in a little bit to him about when he will start his own family. Uh, I guess uh, she doesn't count Dick Grayson, uh, his, uh, his, his faithful ward as a, uh, as a family member here. So <laughs> poor Dick, he's, uh, he's forgotten about here. Uh, but uh, we or maybe perhaps this is before he adopted him. I don't know. Uh, timeline wise, I guess we well, can talk about that at the end, too. Yeah, I mean, there there is some sort of legal distinction of what a ward is, I think. Yeah. Like, I don't think that really exists anymore. And they even kind of point that out because later on in the more modern comics, when, say, you know, a Tim Drake Robin was uh, was brought into Wayne Manor. They had he they made it where he was actually adopted as as his son instead of a, as a ward. But right. I think there's there's some sort of legal distinction there where Dick Dick isn't his son on on a technicality. All right, all right. Any lawyers listening? Please uh, please send us. A- <laughs> slide into our dms and give us the legal definition of ward versus adopted child please and if that's still a thing thank you please and thank you at dcau review but uh yes uh, bruce remarks to summer gleason that uh, when the right woman comes along uh, he'll be sure to uh to take that into consideration about starting a family and as if the devil heard him uh himself who should appear but andrea and she uh to bruce's surprise offers her uh, her hand to take uh, to take and to start uh, dancing with. And uh, she begins to share with him that she's there because she heard that uh, someone was uh, after him and looking to potentially kill him. Uh, he uh, is a bit suspicious of uh, based on how things were left and mentions that it's difficult to trust her. Uh, she herself takes offense to this and uh, removes one of her earrings, which turns out to be a smoke bomb, making a quick estate escape, leaving Bruce and all of the partygoers very confused uh, as <laughs> Bruce escapes and runs out to his uh... leaving me confused, quite frankly. <laughs> everybody else that's like all right a woman threw an earring down with a smoke bomb bruce wayne ran out of the room and that's that yeah it's a very it's a very odd sequence and i know the idea is you had to get bruce kind of in a frantic place where he's rushing to the car and he's maybe not thinking straight but it's just so wild that this woman just walks up to bruce wayne throws a smoke bomb at him halfway through their dance and then just jumps out a window (laughs) and then bruce just goes sprinting out of the room it's too funny. Uh, but as you mentioned, Bruce runs to his uh, his limousine where Alfred is waiting and uh, running up after him, seemingly forgetting, I guess, that uh, she had just run away from him is Andrea, or at least someone who appears to be Andrea. She gets into the limousine, but she calls Alfred by the wrong name. So that's a little clue there that this may not be Andrea. It is in fact revealed to not be her, but instead 
a, another assassin who appears to be after Bruce. And uh, we learn that this is uh, the assassin named Kitsune, who has a uh, who Bruce, of course, he knows because Bruce knows everything is named after the Japanese fox demon who takes the human form to destroy her victims. And I guess the reason she adopted this name is she has this diamond on her head or jewel on her head, which allows her to project an image of anybody she's ever seen. Essentially, she's Mystique, right? From X-Men. She's, she's like Mystique and she has claws like Lady Deathstrike. So, yes, I think there's a lot of X-Men in the DNA of this character. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of that. Maybe that's that explains why we never saw this character again after this issue. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yes. Uh, suddenly, I will just say this. I love that the interior of the, the car seems to grow wide enough where we have people standing up and a full fledged fist fight happening in the back of the limousine as uh, as things get not only violent with the claws, but then breaking of glass bottles. Bruce's life appears to be in danger, but just when things seem bleak and Bruce seems to be overwhelmed, crashing through the sunroof is none other than the Phantasm herself, and uh, Kitsune makes an escape through the side door, and uh, it founds, It turns out that uh, Bruce may be ready to discuss just exactly what is going on. That's right. So as, uh, as we discuss uh, Act 2, Bruce... Bruce sort of uh, lets Andrea in on a little bit of what happened directly after the events in the film. He says that he looked everywhere for her and even went to see that, that slime ball Arthur Reeves, who was still recovering in the hospital at the time to see if he had any idea where, uh, where Andrea could have gone. And uh, Andrea had the, uh, had the opinion that she didn't want anything to do with Arthur. And so she left town and not really knowing what to do with herself at that point, she did what she had been doing the whole time to, I guess, hone her skills and and to uh, to keep herself afloat financially, which is to use the phantasm as more of a a, uh, a mercenary uh, and uh, whether, whether that could be working as an enforcer, a thief, or or what have you, any sort of ill-gotten gains, even an assassin, as uh, as Bruce points out, but uh, that. She, as she was working through that that sort of criminal underworld, she got wind of a hit put out on Bruce Wayne. And so that drew her back to Gotham, back to Bruce. And uh, even though as uh, as Bruce tries uh, futilely to uh, to put some boundaries between them, uh, as as always the case, uh, they are once again uh, making out and embracing as Alfred walks in, they they. They bring back a, a, a fan favorite gag from the movie where Alfred always walks in on them right as their uh, right as uh, things are getting hot and heavy for them. But as uh, Alfred excuses himself, we see that he's knocked unconscious, and then a group of masked thugs break into the room. And uh, Alfred uh, seemingly has uh, has recovered, but it turns out once again to be Kitsune in disguise, and she smashes a, a vase over Andrea and knocks him out. And as they all point their guns, Bruce goes cl- crashing through the window. People just out jumping, at, jumping out all kinds of windows in this comic book. Nope, nobody's, yeah, no, nope, Bruce is not protecting his secret identity particularly well. But I guess <laughs> in this case, they do say they think he's dead. So, uh, but yes, he jumps out of the window into the river below, but we see him escape into a, a, a drainage pipe, which leads into the Bat Cave. And we see Batman suited up. He uh, makes sure to check on Alfred and make sure he's okay. And then he uh, he decided uh, they they sort of discuss who could be behind all of this. 
and uh, they mentioned that Kitsune had said something about uh, the uh, the the big boss having a big smile on his face, and Alfred rightly, I would say, uh, connects that to the Joker. But uh, it turns out that might not be who it is because it's Batman says the Joker's been locked up in Arkham for months. And uh, that's where we get to our next and uh, third act where we find uh, find Andrea tied up in the room. We see her phantasm gear being tried on by a mystery man as they sort of explain how they began to uh, understand who was behind the mask. And it's revealed to be none other than that slime ball himself. Arthur Reeves, uh, who has been permanently disfigured by the Joker toxin uh, to resemble the Joker in a, in a somewhat ironic twist of fate for, for the councilman. And he explains that he had an allergic reaction and that while the doctors were able to save his life, that he uh, that basically ended his political career then and there. And he's uh, with nothing left to seek but revenge. Sound familiar? Uh, he went. Uh, he went to try to put together who this mysterious phantasm who had mucked everything up was. And when he realized that a woman with red hair was sort of working as the go-between for the phantasm, he finally put two and two together of who the phantasm had to be. And right when it looks like he's ready to take that final revenge, as Kitsune puts her claws to Andrea's throat. Here comes Batman for our big punch up to uh, to for our big finale here. He's here to save the day. Uh, unfortunately, very quickly gets overwhelmed. Uh, he handles uh, all of Arthur Reeves uh, lackeys pretty easily. But then uh, once Kitsune shows back up, she uh, overpowers him and blinds him with the jewel on her head. Uh, this allows her to get the upper hand. But uh, in his blindness, Batman is smart enough to throw a batarang that knocks her out. However, uh, as he's perhaps still dazed and attempting to untie Andrea uh, from behind, that uh, that dastardly villain Arthur Reeves clanging Batman over the head with the Phantasm's own uh, owned weapon, hand weapon, the uh, the the scythe or sickle, I guess the hand sickle. Uh, not... He didn't actually use the blade, though, huh? Yeah, I guess he just weirdly he just used the flat end or the 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 like the round bullet shaped part mm-hmm. of it. I, guess. I don't know. Clanging Batman over the head, knocking him out, and uh, he goes over not only and in in. in uh, Andrea is freed and she goes to assist Batman at this point, but uh, she herself is taken out from behind also by Arthur. Uh, Bruce and Andrea at this point both overwhelmed and uh, and somewhat dazed. Arthur clearly begins getting the upper hand. Uh, Bruce, ex- Batman extremely weakened at this point, is no match for Arthur who is able to unmask him, revealing that uh, he's Bruce, and just as he has the sharp-ended blade to Bruce's throat at this point, uh, about to kill him, Andrea swoops in uh, with a swift kick to the jaw, and she knows that uh, at this point uh, she has to say goodbye to him forever. Uh, and uh, it, at this point, uh, we see Arthur waking up after his uh, his swift kick to the jaw and grabbing the uh, the weapon once again. The phantasm standing in front of the window uh, it gives her famous line, "Your angel of death awaits." And uh, Arthur Reeves is pretty excited to run towards her, knowing that she appears to be unarmed at this point, and uh, he dives at her and. Uh, 
third time's the charm for somebody falling out of a window. This time, unfortunately, uh, as he dives towards her, it turns out there's no one behind the mask. It was just floating there. Arthur tumbles over the grate and falls to his death over the side of the building. Uh, Batman swoops down and realizes that Andrea was not there at all. It was just the cape. And uh, we get our little epilogue, which is uh, Kitsune being loaded into the back of the uh, the police wagon. Batman having a conversation with Commissioner Gordon, who discusses how uh, Arthur Reeves' life ended up being very tragic. We get the, uh, the confirmation that Arthur is dead and that uh, it's a shame that uh, they never got to know who the person behind the phantasm was and uh, who this person is and whether he's still alive. And uh, he asks Batman uh, if he ever knew who it was or did he ever see who the phantasm was. Batman pauses and then turns away, saying to the commissioner, no, commissioner, I never knew the person behind the mask. And as he swings off, we see uh, him swing past a gargoyle in the shape of a a praying angel. And that praying angel uh, suddenly morphs into Andrea, who has Kitsune's helmet on, and I guess... I guess the helmet also gives you powers to turn into things that are inanimate also. I didn't didn't get that from the initial description, but sure. But sure, right, exactly. Vague magic. <laughs> we get uh, we get her bidding a tearful adieu to her love and uh, she says once again it ends and that's the end of our story uh for this issue, Liam. That's right. So uh, we can get into our thoughts on the story itself before we talk about art and, and the canonicity of it. I So I'm of two minds here. Um, we And we talked about this a little bit on our Discuss This League with Kevin and Dan um, about how that first story is so perfect that it's hard to feel like any sequel could have ever, like the one that there was much story left to tell between Andrea and Bruce um, and two that it could ever live up to that, to that piece, especially because it's so fresh in our minds, I think. Sure. Sure. Um, It is fun. It's fun to revisit that. And what it really comes down to, this feels to me, and this is maybe a weird analogy, but you know, this feels like this feels like when uh, the main character on like a sitcom has like a recurring guest star significant other for a while mm-hmm. and like and like it's getting pretty hot and heavy and serious and then they do the big dramatic breakup because the actor is leaving to go work on another show or whatever sure. and then like three seasons later they bring that actor back for like a one episode guest star and it's like oh the old girlfriend's back in town yeah <laughs> like that's a little bit what this feels like to me it feels like oh well we're just kind of revisiting kind of re-going over we're doing like a truncated version of the same story of she comes back to Gotham. She and Bruce are, are together again for a second, but ultimately they can't as they're ripped apart by, you know, revenge and tragedy and just being two two completely different people at this point in their lives. And isn't it so sad that they can't, you know, they can't work it out. So it, it feels like we're treading a lot of the same ground. Mm-hmm. Um as the original like i said but it is but it is still fun to just revisit it and bringing back arthur reeves as a straight-up villain is also i think kind of fun because there isn't a scene where batman just gets to deck that guy in the in the movie (laughs) even though he's he's a real slime ball and he's and he deserves it because he's you know he's trying to get the police to unmask and 
capture or kill Batman for the whole movie. Sure, sure. So, it, so maybe it's fun to see him get more direct comeuppance. But I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I like it, but I, but I didn't love it. I guess. So things that I did like, I guess I'll lay it out this way. Things I did like, I like the fact that uh, Mr. Dini, who you know wrote this, decided not to just do a rehash, straight rehash with involving the Joker. Mm. I feel like that would have been the very easy way out here. And instead you go to this other person, you c- kind of intimate that the Joker is involved based on some of the early visuals and some of the dialogue and all of that, who would right. have a, who would have a motive, all that, uh, but it kind of giving you that curveball where, oh, it turns out to not be the Joker. I did like that. Like, I like involving mm-hmm. Arthur and kind of putting a bow on his story because, as you said, you don't really get a resolution to the end of Arthur's story. We know that uh, he was a councilman, but you don't really see him involved in any of the other politics or anything going forward in any of the tie-in comics or any of the other movies or anything. So truly, like, okay, so what happened to this guy who gra- who got power because or through his slimy, you know, selling out of Andrea's father to the to the mob, did he ever get a comeuppance for it? And why wouldn't Andrea come back to kill him? That's a question that I have. Is like mm. if she figures out that he's the one who sold the boss out to the mob, and maybe she didn't. Maybe she didn't know. Um, I don't know how she didn't put two and two together, but how she didn't know, I guess Batman's the one that finds out that he's the one that's responsible for that. I guess there's not a direct link to her finding that out, but regardless, anyway, yeah, she met, but she does mention that because when Bruce talks about going to see her, she says, and he says like, I don't want to ever see. And you know, Arthur says, I don't ever want to see her again. Right. And Andrea says, well, the feelings mutual because that, that worm sold my father out to the mob. So Right, Whether she must have found out somehow. In the film, she knew, she knew. Right, yeah, yeah, so she knew somehow. So why she wouldn't have gone back at some point and tried to kill him is kind of quizzical. Um, the things I don't like, the, the addition of, like, whoever this this uh this hired assassin that uh that uh that arthur reeves hires the you know kitsune character okay i you like we talked about paul dini likes to create these one-off kind of femme fatale characters that sometimes reoccur and come up into into the other comics we talked about i think you you've dubbed it sort of like the weird dini verse that exists yeah. within multiple continuities of comics whether it's main dc continuity or the dc animated universe and it's it kind of exists in both of those realms if there was a venn yes. diagram <laughs> yes he he will reference dcau stuff in non-dcau stories and he will reference non-dcau things in dcau stories right so th- that dini that dini-esque storytelling thing here i guess this was a attempt at that maybe to create a character that could have a long-term pop up again i don't know but didn't mm-hmm. obviously hasn't i don't like that character but um yeah i think it just does yeah that does just feel like a very like i don't know like a very it's just a very like sci-fi like and really and it's magic like it's ma- right. it's a it's a magic gem that so that even feels like and we we talked about this i think a couple of times on even knowing where we go obviously this is a connected universe eventually there's superman and doctor fate and all and zatanna and all these crazy things that happen in the later seasons of Justice League. But at this point, it's such a grounded world still, for the most part, mm-hmm. that to having someone that has a magic gem that can transform mm-hmm. themselves into who, 
you know anybody and also inanimate objects is a also little... anything right <laughs> and also has claws and is a super assassin just yeah i don't know it just feels like he took a grab bag again of 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 random things and because you wanted to have right. a shape like like i don't know yeah, like, it could have just been we, like who again who are we to to judge sure. storyteller paul dini but that's what we're doing here as our as our podcast it's, it's, yeah it's it's, it's just it's not, our, it's it's not my taste yeah it's not yeah. not my cup of tea for for character so as far as the if if you're going to do a a sequel which we said like there's so many things that don't need sequels and i feel like phantasm didn't need a sequel i think if you were going to do a sequel to it and you're going to do it in comic book form which is loosely canon i think maybe this would get like a b minus or c plus as far as like okay the way that the story went i i think that the the idea that bruce I don't know the the romance stuff sort of is rushed through. You don't really because of the even though this is a supersized comic, you don't really get to flesh out that romance stuff and whether Bruce would continue. He says he's not going to continue a romance, but then they're making out. But that isn't left with much room to breathe either. Um, there's obviously still care between the two characters, but you also don't get the idea of what would happen, which I think I felt like is the most interesting thing that happens at the end of the actual movie. Like we know that Andrea is still alive. We know that Bruce knows that she's alive or assumes that she's alive uh, based on the, you know, the locket being found in the cave. So what would happen if Bruce has to come face to face with her and kind of make the decision to bring her to justice or not. And that's sort of taken out of her hands, his hands again, in this comic book, you don't, he doesn't have to kind of come up with that, that internal struggle of, is he going to, is he going to let her go? Is he going to make her face justice? Like what is the, to me, that's the most interesting thing. And we're kind of robbed of that again, because Bruce gets knocked out and she gets, finds a way to kill Arthur with Bruce being knocked out again. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It It is very much a back to, back to square one where yes, she, she basically fakes fakes Arthur and and Bruce out into thinking that they've tumbled to to her death as well, and then we you know we see that she's you know and then he obviously sees that it's just the cloak, so he knows she's still out there again. But there's not yeah there's not really that that closure of what what he would have done or or anything. So yeah, like I said, I I think it's a it's fun to revisit these characters. It's fun to uh you know to to play with it i think i think especially using arthur reese as the villain as you said not just going to having the joker be be the bad guy is always is always kind of refreshing um as fun as that character is to play with um but uh yeah so i i i enjoy this as a as a as a one-off but it does feel pretty superfluous i would say to as far as adding anything new to the to the Bruce Andrea uh, uh, story or, or even really acting as an epilogue. Cause to me, it just kind of in a weird way, it kind of does, uh, you know, in certain ways, at least as far as the beats of Bruce and Andrea coming back into each other's lives and feeling like there's going to be some conflict at first because, you know, he's kind of standoffish with her, but then they fall back in love. And then, and then, you know, the big battle happens and she disappears again. It just feels it just feels like we're kind of treading over, you know, 
the same ground we've already we've already tread over with the Agreed. movies. So um, if you were going to bring those characters, and there are there are there are other tie-in comics that do do use uh, do, do use the phantasm, um, and I and even though I don't necessarily know that those I would say are great uses of her either, uh, I do appreciate at least that they didn't just do the you know it didn't feel like a it didn't necessarily feel like a rehash as 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 so much as as this story did to an extent. But to your point, there are some fun layers and maybe if if nothing else the 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 best new part is is uh you know seeing seeing arthur reeves come back as, as a character that really only had existed in that movie all right there cal and then we will move on to talk about the art so we have a lot of names as uh as mentioned at the top who work on this story as a uh, pencilers and inklers lee the Rowridge once again did the uh did the colors for the whole book um and uh but we do have several several artists uh pencilers and inkers ty templeton took care of the uh the prologue and the epilogue and uh and then we have for act one we have dev madden with terry austin uh for act two we have uh the the late great mike parabek uh with uh, uh inks by rick burchett and then Act Three, we had another one of the uh, the the regular uh, tie-in artists, Brandon Cruz, uh, also inked by Terry Austin. So, uh, what's what stands out to you as far as art here? Now, I will just say at the start, we do get a pretty a pretty great reimagining or retelling of the the end of the film with uh, with Mr. Templeton's art, but then we kind of get right into the action with the phantasm appearing out of the smoke. Um, there's there's some there's some pretty striking visuals I would say for sure. Yeah, I think I think one of the things I noticed is just kind of the layout and going from what we've kind of seen in the modern comics and what we're kind of used to with doing the Batman the Adventures mm-hmm. continue is just kind of more of a standard. Uh, everything everything's pretty standard. You either have have six five or six squares uh, or rectangles that kind of make up a page. Everything's very squared off. There's not a whole lot of splash pages. There's not a lot of overlapping of your squares. So everything's kind of sectioned off. So that's with the exception of like one or two panels, but um, just something that I noticed that I, I guess a difference in the way that modern comics are, are kind of sequenced and, and, uh, and organized. But uh, as far as, as far as uh, Mr. Templeton, <laughs> I think we've sung his praises uh, well deservedly. So uh, over and over again, uh, it would have been interesting, I think, to see some of his work and creating a, a, a consistent look throughout. I think that's the one thing that stands out and that's just, comes with the territory when you have multiple artists working on a story as we even talked about with some of the adventures continue comics is when you have a single issue that's done by multiple artists sometimes it kind of causes you to pause in the middle of the story and and maybe takes you out a little bit before you can kind of just readjust mm-hmm. um with this having three acts which was sort of standard for those uh, Batman adventures and Batman and Robin adventures uh, comic books and how they were sequenced back in the day, you kind of uh, you kind of have a little bit to adjust to, but it 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 is having three different sets of artists throughout, I think is probably not ideal in the long run uh, oh, yeah. of telling a, a sequ- sequential story. With that said, I think in the first setup, you're right. I think, you can hear the lines based on the visuals and the adaptation. I love that we get a little bit of extra kind of the what happened after 
the the explosion. So we kind of see Andrea and and the Joker in the sewers and the ensuing explosion that caused them to separate under there. So you kind of get the backstory uh, there instead of having to kind of play that up in your mind, it adds to a visual. But then uh, the very first shot that we get of the phantasm uh, in that act one coming across that scene, um, you know, coming across the, the rooftop there with, you get the kind of the, the, the uh, distorted view of the the up close shot, the perspective shot of the uh, of the sickle, and kind of close to you, and then mm-hmm. her kind of rushing across gives you that same feeling of uh, her running across the rooftops in the scene in in the movie. Um, so uh, yeah, Mister uh, Mister Madden, I think did the did the first first sequence right. He did the uh, act one. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think his certainly looks like it has a little bit of a more uh, Eastern influence to it, but I would say it sort of matches up with sort of, uh, what you eventually get to with Rick Burkett's uh, artwork in in a lot of the the later tie-in comics and Gotham Adventures and uh, and even some of the Batman and Robin Adventures. So um, I think his artwork and art style certainly matches well with the rest of the issue. And then uh, we haven't really had the opportunity. I think we've alluded to it a couple of times. But Mike Parabek was like the Batman Adventures the for, for the first yeah. run, the first tie-in comic. He did, I think, the first six issues of that series. So, so many of the issues that we hold near and dear and the things that I think hold an almost equal place to the uh, to some of the episodes of the series because mm. we were able to see, read these whenever we wanted to. Uh, as kids and kind of go back to the same stories over and over again. I can remember also having like tracing paper uh, that we had and like tracing <laughs> images and stuff like that, uh, you know, and, and tracing over some of, of Mr. Mr. Parabek's work. And so, so many of his uh, of his pieces are kind of ingrained in my soul as Batman, the animated series. And he was, um, un- unfortunately he's passed. He passed very kind of tragically and, uh, not too long, uh, before this, this, uh, this annual was actually released as we learned. And, um, but he was, he was just a, such a great artist. He worked on a lot of other stuff too. He's definitely worth checking out some of the other stuff that he worked on, mm-hmm. uh, as far as DC comics are concerned. But, uh, yeah, he's, he's just an artist that feels like Batman to me. It's very much in the same vein as Ty Templeton. Like, I he's synonymous with with the Batman adventures and the Batman and Robin adventures. And it's kind of sad to me that he kind of we we can kind of put two and two together that maybe he didn't get to finish the work for this. Because um, mm. I do see Mr. Burkett's uh, influence a little bit in some of the artwork and they yeah, were especially in an, on Andrea's faces. This is agreed. Very similar to if you if you look at a lot of Mr. Burchett's work from when he especially when he had taken over uh you know pencil penciling duties on like Gotham Adventures or Superman Adventures later on. It's a bit there's some very uh Burchett faces in this as well for sure. Absolutely. Yeah but I I, I think uh the one thing that that kind of strikes me about that act too, especially at the beginning is the colors are a lot, uh, a lot more dull. They're not as vibrant. Mm-hmm. I know some of it is flashbacks, but some of the choices like the, the scenes in Wayne Manor as Bruce is kind of talking with Andrea, their, their skin tones are sort of dulled out and it's supposed to kind of give you this dark, um, this dark aura of what's happening and the conversation that's happening between the two of them and this kind of sadness that kind of, 
uh, overarching sadness in, in these moments. But I love the shot, uh, the shots of Bruce not only jumping out of the window, but then landing in the water, walking through this giant pipe to get into the bat cave, just mm. beautiful shots there. And even yeah. the sort of like hazy Alfred's waking up uh shot of Bruce standing over him. I love like it, it just perfectly evokes that idea of somebody coming out of a, you know, up being unconscious to see mm-hmm. somebody standing over top of them. Um, and then I think for our final act, I, I think these are the pencils and the art that I kind of dislike the most. I feel like mm-hmm. it kind of, it kind of uh, departs both not only in the art style, as far as the drawings and the character models and all of that, but also some of the, the choices in inking Um kind of uh there are certain panels that are kind of over inked or the ink inked in a more classic that classic like 70s and 80s style Mm. um and obviously this was only a decade or so after that was more in vogue but it just it just kind of it doesn't line up exactly with the rest of the issue that's not to say that the sequences aren't interesting the characters are just a little bit more off model they just don't quite look like the rest of the the issue even yeah, arthur reeves is a little bit like he seems to have shifted and morphed into a completely different character it feels like yeah yeah there's there's like a little too much detail in in everyone's faces and like in their eyes i feel like especially like there's extra like extra they look a little and maybe this is a coincidence like i don't know if i would have made this connection before doing research but um brandon cruz who did the who did the pencils for act three uh, was a storyboard artist on a lot of like Disney and Nickelodeon cartoons and other sort of children's animation over the years. And I'm like, wow, that when I, and then I started looking at Andrea in that act, like on the page where Arthur slaps her and you get this kind of close up of her. I was like, yeah, she does kind of look like more like, like Ariel from the little mermaid or something right now. Yeah. Like not so much in like the colors, you know, miss, uh, but uh but in yeah, and then yeah, there's there's one shot of uh, of Arthur right before Batman crashes through the, the skylight, which still looks great. Like some of, like Batman, I think looks pretty pretty good throughout. But yeah, it's just, it's just like there's extra wrinkles and sort of detailing in the face that don't quite jive with this this you know this very uh, this sort of more simplified uh, you know Bruce Tim style art. I was going to say it. It leans more towards as opposed to a Jack Kirby influence, more like a Wally Wood or somebody that has a lot more detail and expression, yes. like the the wrinkles and the the details, as opposed to that simplified, streamlined Kirby Tim, you know, even Templeton kind of uh, look to things. So it's not saying it's bad. It's just it doesn't fit, I feel like, with this style, this particular issue um, right. compared to the other two artists. So that's not to say I, I do like the shot once once Arthur kind of leaps after the what he thinks is the phantasm. I think that shot looks great. And then his realization that he hasn't <laughs> he's not killing her. He's he's about to die as he's falling out of this window is kind of terrifying. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I would say that's probably my least favorite of the three. Yeah, and I also do wonder, because Mr. Cruz did quite a few other issues of Batman and Robin Adventures, and I also wonder if it was all his art throughout, I feel like, like we talked about, you could probably settle into it mm-hmm. a little bit more and just get used to it as, hey, okay, this is how this artist draws, but comparing it against some of the, as you said, some of the really true heavyweights of of these uh these Batman the animated series tie-in books with with Mr. Parabeck and Mr. Templeton it's hard to 
not notice how how different and and a little bit out of place that section looks compared to the others. Um, but yeah, and then we do get our our little epilogue of of Gordon and Batman talking, and I do like that that sort of uh, that that panel sequence there of Batman swinging away and sort of disappearing in the background, and then once again we get Andrea with with tears in her eyes saying goodbye, my love, and then just sort of this one last shot of the of the church uh, as the sort of the, everyone sort of fades into the back into the grime of the, of Gotham city. It's, it's a nice little bookend from, from the start of it where we sort of had the, as we talked about, the story does have sort of a, a full circle back to square one feel to it. And I think the art kind of matches that with, uh, with Mr. Templeton's art at the end there as well. Um so with with that being said, Cal, uh, as you mentioned, we gotta we gotta look at uh, the the potential canonicity of this, and like I don't see any reason why it couldn't be, mm-hmm. um, why it couldn't be canon. There isn't like a character, you know, that shouldn't be here or right. you know that can't be here yet or anything. It's not like they don't mention Superman or anything. <laughs> like uh, I was which... gonna say. Maybe you were going to say this. I don't want to. If, yeah, I think I think if anything, this confirms canon based on what we the next time we see Andrea slash the Phantasm. That's that's fair. Uh, spoilers for epilogue, as mentioned, uh, the episode. But uh, but yeah, we do. This is the confirmation of what she did, what she was doing with the rest of her life after. Uh, the events of the movie, which is just kind of floating through life, working as this sort of mercenary assassin for whoever the highest bidder is. Um, so yeah, I think I think you could say this is canon. It's just uh, you know she made one last trip through Gotham and and it didn't work out, so she just sort of became a more hardened and you know more of a more of a ghost, more of a phantasm, literally, and mm-hmm. uh, and just. And just uh, just went about her life, uh, uh, slicing people up and 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 taking and taking taking a paycheck for it. I guess we don't. Doesn't feel like there were as uh, doesn't feel like there was any happy endings in 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 Andrea's future for for sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and that that matches honestly. If uh, if we're following the uh, the popular twenty twenty I don't know twenty twenty one twenty twenty two logic of twin flames if that's what yeah. uh, if that's what Bruce and Andrea are here um, it would make sense that they're both not going to experience happiness and we know that Bruce ends up to be ends up being a sad alone old man uh, for yeah. the the latter half of his life lonely old man. Uh, so uh, who's who's to say that uh, Andrea also didn't suffer that same fate as a result uh, if they were, uh, you know, destined to sort of suffer together. So, yeah, I would say again, I would say I I could take this either or we don't see Arthur Reeves ever again in on on screen, at least. Right. There's nothing that we see that would I would say that would contradict this, as you mentioned, Um you know, it's not really mentioned ever again that he had this second run in, of course, it's not mentioned on screen. Right. Uh, as you, as we talked about with, with, uh, with Dan last week, um, you know, that, that appearance in, in, uh, in epilogue was sort of just, uh, an idea that, Hey, wouldn't this be cool? Because they were doing all these other things that were sort of winks and nods to people who knew, who knew, um, it wasn't something they right. thought of. Uh, sort of as as something that was 
and, and Dan even said <laughs> he kind of wished they hadn't done it. So um, right. take that, take that uh, as you will. So, yeah, I don't think there's anything that would say it's, it's not, uh, it's not Canon. So read this. And if you want to make it Canon, uh, go ahead. I don't think there's any, anybody or anything that's stopping you as, but honestly, that's, you could say the same thing about, any <laughs> yeah and- I mean, we talk about that uh all the time uh on our on batman the adventures continue reviews by the way that last issue review is still coming uh someday one day that's right 50 years from now, now no, just whatever kidding. now is <laughs> but uh but yes but we always talk about that because that's been one of the i won't say complaints but one of the things people pointed out was how much of those seasons even just little things or little mentions or characters being in certain costumes before they should be or whatever um kind of contradicts the the timeline of justice league or or batman beyond or whatever and yeah my thought is always just like you could probably try to do backflips to make it all fit together and make every single DCAU tie-in comic, except for the one where he meets long-haired Superman and they <laughs> fight and they fight red-haired Lex Luthor. Yeah, that's that pretty. That's pretty steeped in an Elseworld, I, I would say. That's um, a great Mike Parabek issue, though. Oh, absolutely tremendous! Great Mike Parabek visuals there. Lex Luthor and Maxi Zeus team up a lot of fun, but uh, but yeah, I I think you could probably do backflips to make almost any of these these canon. But for this one, I yeah, I don't think it requires too much stretching it's just a it's a it's an also ran tale it's a it's a it's there if you want it if you just wanted to spend a little more time with these characters i think it it does that job it feels it feels authentic it just also feels because you don't have you know you don't have a 77 minute uh film perhaps it does feel as you said just feels kind of really truncated and, and rushed especially the part where Bruce and Andrea get to have their little reunion where Bruce is sort of confronted with, with what that would mean if she, if she did try to come back into his life, knowing, you know, when he knows full well that she's this murderer and this assassin, like, could he, could he somehow look the other way because of what she once meant to him? Like, that's an interesting story. Yeah. And one, and one we've seen, you know, the character of Batman go up against with other characters, not necessarily to that extent, but, we we've talked quite at length about his relationship with Talia or his relationship with Catwoman in that, in that same way of, you know, there's, there's a clear deep love and affection for her. And would that outweigh, you know, his sense of justice, his, his vow that he made to his parents, you know, on, on that day so many years ago. So I think there's, there's fun themes to explore whenever you bring the phantasm back, but because that first entry is so great. It's a good problem to have, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Because that first movie, as we've just been talking about for several weeks now, it's it's a masterpiece. And it's so perfect that it's very hard, I think, to find a reason to bring her back other than fan service. And fan service is okay. Like, Absolutely. we like... You know, when when I was 13 or whatever and that epilogue episode came out and I saw the phantasm walk through a scene, I lost my mind. I was so excited. Like that that was incredible at the time. So I I, I don't think there's that. I'm not saying that has no value. But as far as adding to that existing story, which you would always hope a sequel does, I'm not sure that this is like a great job of that either. I agree. Yeah, I think that's uh, I, I, I would struggle to put it better or more succinctly than that. 
in that uh it's it's fine i'm sure that uh they the the powers that be were clamoring for something that would sell an annual and that's i guess maybe we didn't we didn't necessarily discuss uh that i don't know if that's still how the the modern day annual is done but you really like it, it very much felt like back in the day the annuals were done in a way to try and get to boost sales like how are we going to get mm-hmm. people to buy this one issue other than the people that buy you know every other issue uh, right. of this comic book this might be the annual is sort of the one that p- anybody can pick up um because it tends to be a standalone issue or it tends to be a, an issue that will grab people and obviously the cover which we didn't even talk about but a very interesting cover uh also by mr ty templeton i believe uh features you know the phantasm the it's the body of the phantasm removing a mask and underneath of it is the joker's mm-hmm. face so right off the bat you assume that the uh that the villain may in fact be the joker so it kind of, that that does also lend you to believe that the joker would be involved with this this issue but it is a very uh is a, it, it is a uh, a very interesting image that sort of grasps at your attention uh immediately there so the idea that okay we're going to the powers that be are like all right guys let's give it, get a great story that we're going to boost sales here and get a bunch of people to buy this what can we sell them it's like hey let's bring back the the phantasm that while this wasn't a commercial success it was certainly a a uh, you know loved by the people that saw it and this is 3 or 4 years after it it had been released at that point so um yeah i'm sure the team enjoyed playing in that sandbox again there's more more meat on the bone after leaving mm-hmm. the uh the character sort of cliffhanger there on the end of the boat. And, uh, you know, it is, it is, it is a fine piece to, and, and especially in a vacuum, I guess, as far as a, a comic book is concerned. Here, so. Yeah. This, this is, this is definitely, this is the deep freeze to the heart of ice, you know, for sure. Like it's a fun little tale. There's it's, there's a lot of fun to be had a lot of great art as we talked about in the issue, a lot of cool images, fun to see these characters back and and get to play in that sandbox, but not ultimately even approaching, you know, what the, what the original material did. So, and, and that's hardly, again, hardly a slight against this, this issue when you're comparing it to one of the most celebrated pieces of media ever, ever, you know, ever made in this universe. So um, with, with that all said, Cal, as we begin to wrap it up, we want to thank everyone for listening this is our last episode for the year here as uh, as we at least on the original air date. We are just about to turn that calendar page over. So uh, we just want to say thank you to everybody for listening. We uh, we had, we got those, uh, you know, Sp- Spotify wrapped sends us uh, some data and we know we we increased our listeners. We increased our followers a lot this year. I know our social media followers went up as well. I uh, just want to thank everybody for sticking with us, uh, Cal. This has been a really fun year for us. We've kind of experimented, I think, a little bit more with doing doing different things, trying different formats, maybe mixing in more non-main continuity DCAU reviews. And I appreciate the the feedback we've gotten that people seem to enjoy those as well. Um, and we uh, always appreciate hearing from from folks who listen to the show and uh, and what they want to hear as well. But it's uh, it's been a really fun year. It has. Absolutely. And uh, I think in honor of maybe our most fun year, heck, heck, uh, who am I to say uh, us from the last six years are not here to defend themselves. So I'm going to just go out on a limb and say our our most fun year yet 
Liam, our episode next week, uh, we don't do clip shows here because as we discussed <laughs> before going on the air, unless you have a full-time a person that is editing podcasts that can go through 50 plus episodes mm-hmm. and pick out the best clips. That makes no sense to me. <laughs> so uh, what we're going to do, Liam, is do a quick recap as we've done the last couple of years. And that is the DCAU review year in review. And uh, we're going to cover all of 2023 as we look back and look at uh, some of our highest rated episodes. We'll take a look mm-hmm. at uh, some uh, benchmark episodes, uh, maybe even talk about our most listen to and shared episodes according mm-hmm. to spotify wrapped uh and uh we'll also talk a little bit about what we have uh coming up in the year 2024 so uh it'll be looking a little bit forward look, looking backwards and uh and also standing in one place and celebrating uh year seven as we enter year seven Shoot. my goodness of uh of our little podcast absolutely uh aqua phantasma too anybody <laughs> uh, I just gotta say, you're gonna have to pitch it to us because I don't know what else we have <laughs> that could, where we could do an entire other month. We're not re-reviewing Fish Story. Gonna, I can tell you that we're gonna re-re-review Batman: Mask of the Phantom. Right. There's only so many times we can uh, <laughs> we can milk that uh, that uh, that teat. I think before you run out of uh, run out of steam completely, but. Uh, I would love to hear anyone's pitch for Aqua Phantasma too, just because there's pretty much nothing I've enjoyed more in the entire time we've done uh, on this show than uh, just saying that 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 weird mashed up word that I just thought of at the spur of the moment. So Aqua Phantasma uh, two electric boogaloo. I think <laughs> this is the going. Now we're talking. It's the going suggestion. Now we're talking. We're accepting pitches in our uh, in our Instagram uh, DMs or on the, the site formerly known as Twitter, which, by the way, you can follow us at DCAU Review on there as well as on Threads. I log in about once a month and post one thing and then forget about it. <laughs> but uh, if you're on there, you can still uh, follow us there as well. Um, if you're looking for an alternative. Uh, if you would just want to give Mark Zuckerberg another chance to mind your personal data, then I know I do. Uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, yes, we were looking, as Cal said, we will be looking back at the year 2023 next week for our show, and it'll be great. And in the meantime, thank you everybody for listening. If you'd like to support the show monetarily, there are a few ways to do that in the show notes. You can either head to our store and pick yourself up a hat or a shirt or a mug or something. Or there's also a little donate button there where you can buy me and Cal a cup of coffee, which we uh, appreciate. We have a few regular donators that we appreciate to uh, do that each month. So there's a couple of ways you can support us. And of course, the best free way to support us is to uh, log in to your podcast app of choice and uh, give us five stars. Leave us a review if it lets you. Or if you're listening to us on YouTube on the wonderful Pod Tower YouTube channel, we appreciate you subscribing and uh, liking the video and favoriting the video and sharing those links. And you're not only helping us out, but also uh, the wonderful folks at Watchtower Database with their uh, their jump on the Batwagon show and, uh, and uh, archive Tim Talk show as well. So a lot of great stuff over on the Pod Tower channel that we are happy to be a part of. And uh, Cal, I think there's uh, there's really only one thing left to say, and that's uh, Happy New Year. So until next week and next year, I'm Liam. And I'm Cal. And we'll be back soon with another episode of the DCAU Review. Here's to survival.